Wonderful. Well, a warm welcome to you this morning. It's uh, very exciting to be together here at Oak Hall Church. A lot of us are here for the very first time. So if you're sitting here for the first time thinking, everybody else knows what's going on, I haven't got a clue. Actually, quite a lot of us are trying to work it out as well. So um, I'll try and explain what's happening as the morning unfolds. And if you're here for the first time, you're in good company. There's a number of others here for the first time too. So feel relaxed and, uh, and feel at home. We're very glad you're here and a part of the story of Oak Hall Church this morning. This morning, we've got, we've got a full morning. You know, the first half we're going to be celebrating with Rose, something very special. More about that in a moment. The second half, we've Bassam with us, who has come a very long way to be sharing with us this morning. And the third half, I said there was lots happening this morning, is that we're going to be exploring the next part of Romans together. So it's going to be a, a wonderful morning together. You know, the big deal about Many churches across the country meeting this morning, across the world, is that we believe that there is a God who is there, who is outside of everything, and who has made everything, and he's made humans like you and me, humanity, with the potential to know him, to have a friendship with the God of heaven. And that's really what this is about this morning, that God has come to us in the person of Jesus, so that Ordinary people like us could have a relationship with him. And all morning, we're going to be, that message is going to be echoing through our morning. So feel at home, a warm welcome, and so glad that you can be here. One of the things we often do together is sing. And we love to sing. So we've chosen a song this morning that perhaps you'll know the tune from some other context if you've never been to a church before. It says, be thou my vision. It's saying, look, God, I want you to be the biggest thing in my life. It's a kind of prayer, if you like. It's a very old Irish tune. We've got a great band leading us this morning. So let's stand together and sing this song now. Be thou my vision.
today standing together and we're going to pray. That just means we're going to speak to God because we believe he's there and listening. Father, we thank you that this morning we can be together. We thank you that we can sing those songs. And many of us are singing these words from our heart because we want our life to be about relationship with you. Not a relationship that we get by doing good things. That's upside down. It's about a relationship that we can enjoy because you have come to us in the person of Jesus. You died on the cross for our wrongness so that we could be forgiven. And you rose from the dead so that we could be filled with your power, your presence, your strength. And so that we could have certainty about what lies beyond the grave too. And we pray that wherever we are at this morning in our journey, that you would draw us deeper to you this morning and that we would see more clearly who Jesus is, the King of Kings, the name above all names. We worship you this morning, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sit down together. You know, it's great. We uh, ask the girls to run around in circles like this because it helps them with their exercise and it makes the atmosphere more relaxed. Well done. It's because we're a family here, you see, and uh, there's lots happening as a family. Just a couple of headlines for our church family news. The first is that Tuesday and Wednesday last week, we had the streams. They were great. Um, Three different streams, one called No Blind Faith, one about um, the human journey, and one about how to just how to be equipped better to explore what the Bible says. Um, I tell you what, put your hand up if you came on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, stick it up high. There we go, loads of us. So good. Well, there'll be a lot of us together again this next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, quarter to eight kickoff, and it's really worth coming. We're not running small groups this week. Um, We're going to be sharing that instead. Refreshments as we begin, conversation, big topics, and then more conversation at the end. So do come uh, if you can on Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday evening at quarter to eight. You know, as a family, we share many joys and also we share sorrows. And our dear Jackson and Farina, we've been praying for them this week because their father went to be with the Lord Jesus um, on uh, Sunday night. And uh, we are praying on with you both, Jackson and Farina. So please continue to remember Jackson Freena in your prayers um, over these next days and weeks and months. They're very dear to us. You know, we've got all sorts of adventures going out from here. And I just wanted to mention that today, um, Dave, Katie, Ian, they're all in um, Israel and Palestine these days. And uh, they are showing people around and they are seeing how the Bible isn't based on fairy stories that somebody dreamed up, but actually based on history, things that really happened. Very exciting journey. And uh, so we're praying on for them as they share um, that journey um, together. One more thing is this, that There's lots of people who are serving in secret, you know, in this church family. Um, Some people here early this morning. Last night, I drove past the building about 11.30 at night. And there were screens on and off and being changed around. And 
Paul Headley was here just right into late in the night. And he's just one of many people who are serving in, in secret ways. Some of us are working on the gardens. Some of us preparing refreshments from early in the morning on a Sunday. Thank you for all we share and for the way that so many are engaged in serving, serving with the children, so many different things. And uh, we really appreciate this, this partnership together. You know how I like drawings and uh, I like pictures and cartoons and uh, maybe my small brain just finds it easier to understand things when I see something. And this morning though, we don't need one of my cartoons or drawings. We've got something far more profound. Right here, if you didn't notice, there's an enormous pool of water. And when the builders were putting this in, they were saying this is very unusual. We haven't built a place with a bath right at the front before. (laughs) But here it is. Well, what it is, it's a big pool of water, and we're going to be seeing a drama this morning that is really significant. It's about the most profound transformation that anyone could experience. You know that we've already prayed and thought about that Jesus is God come here, and how he died on a cross. His body was put into a tomb, but on the third day, Jesus' tomb was empty because he'd risen from the dead. The power of God had raised him from the dead. And later, he went to the highest place. And there are a number of people in this room this morning who have trusted Jesus. They would say, look, I believe that Jesus died instead of me so that I could be forgiven. This isn't some strange idea that's just come, somebody's come up with in the last few years. But rather, this is the message that the church of Jesus Christ has been proclaiming now for 2,000 years. That Jesus, he dies for us personally. He dies to change our lives so that our wrongness could be taken away. Put into the tomb as though, and if we trust in him, it's as though we die with him. And if we're trusting in him, then it's as though we rise with him too. And so, for 2,000 years now, people who trust in Jesus have got into a pool of water. Sometimes it's like a bath at the front of a building. Sometimes it's a river. Sometimes it's a lake. Sometimes it's the sea. And somebody stands with them, maybe a couple of people, and they say, yes, I believe that Jesus died for me. He was put in the grave and he rose from the dead. And then they are baptized, is the word. They're just popped under the water. And it's a picture that they died with Jesus too. That Jesus died for them. And then they're lifted up because Jesus rose from the dead. And that has transformed their lives. It's a personal, life-transforming thing. And so this morning, Rose is going to be baptized. But before she is baptized, we want her to share with us something of her story. So, Rose, come and join me here. You know, you're with family in every sense this morning. And uh, I love to hear people's stories. And I love to hear especially the story of how they have come to know Jesus how they've come to know the person of Jesus. And Rose, I'm really looking forward to hear and what you're going to um, share with us this morning. This is our microphone. Um, Yes, I I just want to start off by saying that my mother was the single most influential person in my life, modelling Jesus to me, not in words, but in behaviour. I was baptized as a baby in the Roman Catholic Church. Today, 
more than 70 years later, I am being baptized again. I attended Sunday school and church. At age seven, I went to my first confession and took my first Holy Communion. In my teens and twenties, I turned away and thought I would control my life. But my parents had dedicated me to God and it wasn't to be. By the time I was in my thirties with two small children, I had returned, this time to the Church of England where I was confirmed. Looking back, I know that I had never had the control over my life I thought I had. God was with me all that time, waiting patiently, protecting me from harm. I went to church and its groups, but felt I was missing something. There had to be more to being a Christian than just being pleasant, doing good deeds, singing in the choir, and taking Holy Communion each week. Surely God required more of me. I met Hazel, an untiring evangelist for God, and Becca is collecting a small token of my love and gratitude for Hazel. She listened to me and invited me to Oak Hall Church. I visited a few times for a year or more before I went on the Christianity Explored course and committed to Oak Hall about 13 years ago. Here, I met Christians focused on Jesus and the Bible, wanting to be like Jesus. I had never before received such encouragement, explanations, answers to questions, and willingness to invest time in me. I learned the importance of God's grace, his gift of love I do not earn. It is believing in Jesus, God's gift to us. It is accepting his sacrifice, love, repentance, forgiveness, redemption, and hope. It is a way of life. Jesus guides the words I speak or choose not to speak. What I watch or choose not to watch. My reading, my listening, and things I no longer need to worry over because I trust in his promises, and much more. I believe in the Trinity and that Jesus is God. 2,000 years ago, people could see him. Today, we hear him in the Bible. Jesus was crucified and died as the atonement for my sins. He rose again and was seen by many hundreds of people. After meeting Jesus, I was gifted the Holy Spirit to be the intermediary who sometimes confronts me when I need to act for God, listen to him, speak for him, or change an attitude or act as God commands. The Spirit is a wonderful gift to me. Some say, oh, it's just your conscience. We all have one of those. But to me... Conscience is a head thing, 
a brain thing. For me, the Holy Spirit is a presence here in my chest. He can physically turn me around to do or say something I had passed by or ignored. And he has done so on many occasions. Jesus is my saviour and redeemer all the time. He is my counsellor, comforter and guide in times of sadness, confusion or mental anguish. He is the rock I cling to during storms and my shield when I am attacked. My shepherd, he carries me when I am weak, finds me when I wander. He is the friend I rely on, return to, lay my head on his shoulder and just talk or be quiet and peaceful with. This is my relationship with Jesus the Son, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That is the cross of sacrifice, the cross of love, the cross of being different in this world. Blue tacked to my fridge, I have a plastic card which reads, I asked Jesus, how much do you love me? He answered, this much, and he stretched out his arms and died. Thanks be to God. Thank you. We want to um, pray together um, for you, and thank you so much for this clear um, message you've, you've uh, shared with us, this clear story of your uh, transformation as you've met with the Lord Jesus. You know, we as a church family have uh, chosen a present for you, and this is the whole of the Bible on CD, so that you can be listening in and uh, and continuing to be shaped by the power of God's word. And uh, we have a card for you here, which you can open. But this verse has been chosen for you. It's from Galatians chapter 3, and it's verses 26 and 7. It says this, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So that's with love from all of us. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to, uh, we're going to pray for Rose and then we're going to arrange things and head into, um, the pool here. Don't worry that there's a, a lot of, uh, a lot of us here. We're going to be able to see it on the screen as well. If those of us at the front will be able to see here, but it will be on the screen as well. Well, let's pray together. I'll just move this over here, Rose. Try to drop another one in. Lord Jesus, we thank you together that we have got our dear sister Rose here this morning. We thank you for the way that you have lovingly drawn her towards yourself through the testimony of her mother, through those churches that she's been a part of and have encouraged her in the past, and for these last years that we've shared here at Oak Hall Church. Lord, thank you for Hazel and for her faithful witness to you, the way you use her in so many of our lives. 
And Lord, we want to pray for your blessing on Rose as she continues to put her trust in you, Lord Jesus, and experience that renewal every day of your Holy Spirit's work in her life. And we pray that as she takes this public step, as she enacts this drama that you personally invited her to do, that we'll all see more clearly what it is to put our trust in you, Lord Jesus, the one who is God come to us. We worship you this morning. Amen. Amen. Rose, let's head down these steps and we'll head around here. Josh, one of the other elders, is going to be joining us in the pool. There's nine elders in the church, so nine in the leadership team. So you'll see various ones of us on different days involved here. Phil is going to be speaking later on and he's another of the eldership team. Well done. Great. I'm going to remove this mic. see oh wonderful you've come to join us that's great now are you able to uh to hear now is that yes excellent technology wonderful well children welcome down the front that's lovely you've come to join us too so look we've all heard whether we're little or a bit older rose's story that she's put her trust in jesus she believes that jesus is god here and that jesus has died for her and that jesus has risen from the dead and so she's putting her trust in him and that's why she's going to be baptized this morning so rose you've confessed with your mouth that jesus is your lord and do you believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead i do yes well we're going to be obedient to jesus as we baptize you now and we're just going to lower you gently back into the water And together, Josh and I, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
Let's sit down together. You know, we've got a, a special moment now as the uh, children head out. And uh, thank you so much for coming to sit down the front and celebrate with us in this way. And uh, we'll keep thinking about this thing as, the, as this, uh, what we've seen this morning as the morning unfolds. But those of us involved with the uh, children and the children themselves are going to head out to their special events now. And we'll see you in a little while. And we want to hear all about it. Great. <laughs> we'll just chat with the person next to us for a moment. Wonderful. of our three halves of the morning and uh, this is really wonderful this morning to be celebrating together with Rose. Please come and talk to her afterwards, encourage her and if you've come because of Rose telling her story and being baptised this morning then uh, thank you for being a part of our, of our morning together and uh, thank you for coming to celebrate with us. We really appreciate your Rose, so thank you. You know, as a church family, we, we love our town, um, we love Catrum, and we want to see people in our town meet Jesus and put their trust in him. But we also love our country, and we want to encourage those who are telling other people about Jesus across our country. We also love our continent, and uh, that's why some of us, um, some of you and some of us travel to different parts of, of Europe to speak about Jesus. Um, there's been news of a number of people coming to know Jesus in one of those um, projects in the last few days, but that for another day. But also, we love this world that God has made us a part of, and we want to pray for brothers and sisters across the world. And we have been for a number of Christmases, particularly, praying for Syria. But not just at Christmas time. If you're here on our um, evening um, prayer meetings each month, then we're praying for Syria. Some of us in our small groups are praying for Syria. And we are delighted that this morning, um, Bassam has come to be with us. Um, he's a guest who's traveled halfway around the world. Uh, he was to be with us this morning. And uh, Bassam, we say a warm Catrum welcome to you. And please come and join me here. This is uh, Mike. morning. First thing of business, I got to set my timer because I told Andy I'm going to be here only 10 minutes, so I'm not going to go over that. It is truly, it's my honor and pleasure to be among you here this morning. I, I really feel like I'm at home. This is like uh, my own home church, so the warm welcome that I felt, it makes me feel at ease. What I want to do this morning in the 10 minutes I have is I have only one purpose in mind, and my hope and a prayer is to give first the glory to Jesus Christ in everything that we say, I said this morning. But also to, to, to tell you that the message of Christ it is changing lives, impacting communities, and transforming lives. And that is also because of your partnership with us of what's happening in the world. I think you've heard the word partnership a couple of times this morning. And we all know that God is able and he's more than capable to do uh, uh, great things by himself. 
but he desire us to be partners with him. And so we can be part of the work that he's doing. So we also, you guys, are part of this partnership in what God is doing in the Middle East. So um, let me just share a little bit about myself. My name is, is Bassam, and I was born in Jordan from a Muslim background. I, I went to the U.S. at age 18, and 20 years ago, I came to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, a few years back, I was in a place where I was empty, and I was really looking and searching to know the will of God on my life. So after 38 years living in the USA, God called me back to my own people. At that time, I told the, the Lord, I said, I wish you waited just two more years or be 40, then I can rename myself as uh, Moses. But anyway, so I, I've been in the Middle East for the last two years. And uh, I've heard uh, about the partnership that this particular church is uh, with us and the things is happening. So our partnership with you guys, and some of you may know not, may, may not know what's going on, or may ask yourself, it's like, I don't know, am I part of this story? But yes, you are. Each and every one of you is part of the story because you are part of this church. And the church has part of the God's story that is happening in, in the Middle East. So the partnership started in 2014. And uh, I want to share with you that you guys has came along a handful of local Kurdish believers that in Afrin, the city of Afrin, which is a part of the Alpo, uh, Aleppo government in the northern part of Syria, and back when the Syrian war started, the Aleppo, the Aleppo government was really hit the most. And that pushed back these guys to the city of Afrin, where there was 200,000 people of population of Kurdish people in Afrin. And these guys were in the city, and they seen the need uh, that these people have. And, and they want to make a difference. They want to impact the community. So with your partnership with us, we were able to meet the needs of these, phys uh, the physical needs of these people. Believe me or not, there's about 20,000 people in a monthly basis, their lives were impacted. And that is, you know, thanks for God for that, but also thanks goes to you. And as, as they the continue to the work in Afrin, and we, they saw, um, 80 people in about the first couple of years come to the, the, to the Lord, and then 180 more. And out of that, out of, of, out of meeting their needs and making a relationship with them, we've seen over 500 people in about 100 different groups where they, they, they meet together and they pray together and they study the Word and the Gospel. And then that grew up into uh, 54 more groups inside of Afrin. And, and this past summer... As they continue to do the work and trying to uh, build relationships and, and, and house churches and home groups and all that stuff, you know, there was 25 other groups out of the Muslims people, they start leading the groups themselves. So we've seen so many people, uh, lives being changed and impacted. Uh, you know, this morning I can help when, uh, you know, Rose is being baptized. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was talking to someone 
back home. Um, and, and you know, it's hard for the Muslim to come to Christ, especially in the Middle East, uh, because there's a lot has to do with their fear of confessing their, their, their faith. You know, fear of losing their lives, jobs, families, you know, and they, they go through a lot of persecution. So we have hundreds and hundreds of uh, women, they come to faith, but they can't uh, uh, pronounce their faith because they're afraid of getting divorced and losing their children. But I was told a couple of days ago that there's three women in one particular church. They, they, they uh, got baptized in the church, so that was, that was a great news for us. You know, among the other things that I want to share with you, so we started back in 2014 with you, so now we're looking back five years ago. So you're looking at, it's the same work still happening, and it's not only in Syria, but the same work is happening in Lebanon, same work is happening in Iraq. So you're talking about five years later, we have over 100,000 people has been touched over 100,000 people. And these are not exaggeration numbers. These are true numbers. I looked at them this morning, you know, because I know some missionaries will come up here and, and give you the glorious uh, pictures and all this happening. Yeah, there is there's great things happening. There's a lot of challenges happening. But these are true numbers. Over 100,000 people have been touched. Let's not forget the thousands of, of kids that has gone to school in a monthly basis. You know, in Lebanon, just for example, it's a small number, but there's about 300 kids that they get transportation, educations. Uh, there's uh, programs that we do with medical, you know. So I just want to encourage you today that sometimes you may not be on the scene. You may not be seeing what's happening. You're not be, you may not be hearing uh, the testimonies of people and how many people are coming uh, to faith. But we are living in unprecedented time in our history Throughout history, the hundreds and thousands of people are coming to Christ from a Muslim's background. And that's something that we, we, we ought to celebrate with. And, 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 and you are part of it. So maybe sometimes, because you don't see what's happening, you don't know what's happening, maybe the question would be, is it worth it? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my investment? Is it worth my, my efforts to, to partners with people who go out to different parts of the world and just uh, be a world changers? Let me just remind you today that even that you are here, even that you are here today, you are changing history. Actually, you are rewriting the futures for many, many, many people. For many, many, many people. So I can't thank you enough for uh, your partnership with us and what you're doing. And uh, we go back, and I'm going to end with this here. Is it worth it? Let me look at my time, all I'm doing. i got one minute left. <laughs> Is it worth it? You know, no matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter where we go, no matter how much we suffer, it is not even... Uh, comes to, to the level of his worthiness. So let's remember that he is worthy of everything that we do. Therefore, yes, everything that we do is worth it. So I just want to thank you for uh, giving me the time. Andy, I met Andy, you know, just uh, 15 minutes before you guys all came in, and I just felt really the warm, and I just felt that. Uh,
the goodness of God and the, 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 the spirit in him. And so I just thank you for giving us the chance to be here. And uh, I'm honored to be among you this morning. So thank you again. God bless you. Stay here and we'll pray together. Yeah, that's really powerful. Thank you so much. You know, something we could do is, is perhaps to stand together as a, a demonstration that we want to stand with our, our dear friend and brother, Bassam. And uh, we're going to, as we stand, we're going to um, pray um, together for Bassam. It's amazing to hear, isn't it, about 100,000 people whose lives have been impacted. To hear about that first year where 80 people came to know Jesus in Afrin, and then 180 people, and how there's now 500, how there's 54 groups of people who are following Jesus. It's just a, a glimpse we're getting into a war zone that everyone's saying is disaster, and it is heartbreaking, but the Lord Jesus is working powerfully there through brothers and sisters like Bassam. So we stand and we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our dear brother, Bassam. We thank you for our dear brother, Martin, who has been a, a real catalyst for our connection with what you are doing there. And this morning, we want to thank you for what you are doing. Lord Jesus, this is a broken world, and some of the symptoms of that brokenness are being seen particularly in that region at this time. We thank you that Bassam, that you have led him and called him back to that part of the world, that he's left a comfortable environment and gone to a place that many people would want to flee from. And he's gone there because he wants to point those there to your love and your rescue and your transformation made possible through the Lord Jesus. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in that land this morning that you would continue to empower them and encourage them that there would be many who turn to put their trust in the living Lord Jesus. And we pray that this good news of his death and resurrection that we've been hearing this morning from Rose would continue to grow and bring great blessing in that region. We pray for peace. And Lord, we pray that your kingdom would be furthered there. We thank you for the opportunities we have to pray on for Bassam and for Martin and for the work there in Syria. And we want to ask that you would make us faithful as we pray with them. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you. Amen. 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 Thank, Amen. You. thank you, Bassam. Let's stay standing and we're going to sing together. And this song is really about the heart of the message. It's that the God has come in the person of Jesus and that he has died at Calvary for us. So let's stay standing and sing, I cast my mind to Calvary. Oh, 
again and that as you died on that cross you were dying in our place to draw us into relationship with you Lord Jesus we thank you for your death and your resurrection and we worship you here this morning as the king of everything amen
Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are singing, that we are looking forward to when you are revealed in your glory and your majesty and every knee bows and says, yes, you are the Lord. And we ask that now as we come to your word, as we read together, that you would speak to each of us clearly. We thank you for your Holy Spirit present here. We thank you that he wants to move among us and help us to understand these words that we're going to read. We pray we'd come with open hearts, thirsting hearts, to read your word together now. Amen. Let's take a seat. Well done. And as Phil comes um, to speak to us, let's turn in our Bibles, if you have one, um, to the passage this morning. We're reading from Romans, and we're reading Romans chapter 2. And we're reading verses 1 to 11. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Um, A friend next to you can point you towards where that passage is, or you can listen if you would like as well. So Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. We've been working through uh, this letter together. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness forbearance and patience not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Thanks for reading that, Andy. If you could have your Bible open in front of you, we're going to look at that passage together now. If you're visiting here this morning, either for the first time or as one of Rose's guests, can I just say how good it is to see you here this morning? It's been a lovely morning. For the next few minutes, we're going to uh, take the time to look more closely at those verses from the Bible that we've just read. The bit that we've just read is a passage that came from a historical letter written by a man called Paul to the earliest church in Rome. And his letter is all about how important the good news of the Christian message is to this world. 
We've just started working our way through the book as a church on Sunday mornings, and that's why we're looking at this passage together. To give us a bit of background to what's been said earlier, last week we read about how everybody needs the good news of Jesus, because people are constantly wanting God to work around us. We want him to do things our way, according to our timings and our desired outcomes. Except, effectively, what we want to, what we do to God is to reject how he wants to relate to us. Instead, we want him to relate to us on our terms. And because of this attitude towards God, God respects our wishes. And he allows the consequences of that to play out. So if we live ignoring God's presence, he will remove his presence from us. And we will live according to a new set of rules by our own making. So the passage we looked at last week explained how sad that road is and how much we need Jesus to rescue us from that attitude. But then in the passage we're looking at today, Paul addresses a common reaction to hearing that. You see, some people might hear that message and say, well, do you know what? I'm not like that. I'm a good person. I give to charity, I invest my time and energy in good causes, I give to, to, to the Syrian cause. I'm not like the anarchic climate, climate protesters, I'm not like the militant English Defence League. League, I pay my taxes, I work hard, and most of all, I believe in God. I'm, I'm just not as fanatical about God as you, Paul. Perhaps that sounds like many of us here this morning. Well, in this passage, Paul speaks to people like us, people who can't see there could be anything wrong between us and God. And this passage helps us see three things about us and three things about God, and I've kind of paired them up. So there are three points. Don't uh, don't panic when you hear the word six points. Actually, there are just three points, three things about us, three things about God. The first is, first, see yourself as God sees you we all judge others. See yourself as God sees you, we all judge others. Look at verse 1 with me. It says this, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Basically, what Paul is saying is that we need to get real. There's no one on this planet planet that is not judgmental in some way or another, even in little ways. So let me share you one example. Every morning, I walk down Chaldon Road to get to the church. So I work for the church here, by the way. But the problem with walking down, to, down the Chaldon Road at uh, around 8.30 in the morning is the school run or... or or, or, or more specifically, the school walk. At 8.30 on a Sunday morning, on a weekday morning, Chaldon Road is one big congestion hotspot. It feels like every parent is trying to walk their children to school in the opposite direction to me, who's trying to walk to the church. And just to compound matters, sorry, I'm going to get a bit bitter at this moment, The people who live on Chaldon Road, and I'm sure it's none of you who live on Chaldon Road here, they park their cars halfway on the pavement. 
And some park considerately for those of us who think about the planet and walk to to places, but many of them park badly. So badly, in fact, that they sometimes will leave a three-inch gap between the car and the hedge of the front garden in front beside them. So the walk, to ch- the walk down Children Road is not so much a walk as a threading your way down the pavement between hedges and parked cars and screaming children. So one particular morning, I was making my way to church, and I saw a very stressed out mum with three disgruntled children in tow as she was striding purposefully towards me, clearly trying to get her children to school on time. And between us, was yet another badly parked car, leaving the tiniest of gaps. Now, let me just humbly tell you about how thoughtful I was at that point. (laughs) Rather than speed up and quickly sneak in the gap before she could get there, I did the godly, even the saintly thing, and I stopped to let her walk through the gap, which she did. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Did she thank me? No. No, she didn't even, she didn't even roll her eyes in gratitude for sparing her the added pain of a delay to her walk. No, instead she carried on like a Sherman tank, dragging her screaming brood as though I were just a casual onlooker in the drama of her life. And there was I, kind, thoughtful me, fighting through the congestion. My delayed journey was so that she couldn't be inconvenienced and she didn't even notice. And I thought, that's what this country has come to. (laughs) Bad parking and rude neighborliness. And as I carried on my journey, I thought, well, at least I'm not like them. If I were to park my car on Children Road, I would give the time and attention to carefully finding the right balance between not blocking the road and making space for the kind pedestrians. Secondly, if I were ever given the right of way in such a tight space, walking on the pavement, I wouldn't have just thanked the person. I would have groveled in gratitude. It took me about three hours, I have to be honest, to calm down. And then, only then, did I realize how ridiculous I had been and I was being. And the thing is, That attitude is exactly what God wants to talk about this morning through these verses we've just read. It's like God is saying, hang on a minute, Phil. You're judging those drivers. You're judging that woman. But don't you do the same things? Don't you park badly sometimes? Aren't you quick to forget others who are in a hurry, uh, when you're in a hurry? Look at what you've become, Phil. You're self-righteous. You judge others. And just as God challenges my self-righteousness here, it's fair to say that when we all have incidents where we too judge the people around us that we read about in papers or online in the news, we've all said, well, I'm not like them. And so God says to us, see God as he is. He lovingly warns us. He lovingly warns us. Look at the Bible in verse 2. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? The point is this. 
because we judge people, but still do the same things, we're actually no better than anyone else in this world. And like everyone else in the world, we are under God's judgment. So when we judge others, even in four seconds of inconvenience, it shows us that the real problem we all have is that our hearts are not right. That there is something deeply wrong with our attitude towards God, towards other people. What is it that deep, that's deeply wrong? It's our self-righteousness, that, that we think we have some kind of special card to play that makes us better than others, both in this life and in the life to come. But God wants us to see that this attitude shows him, shows us that our hearts are not right with him, and we need him to fix it. We need God to change our hearts, to save us from his judgment. And his judgment is truthful and fair. Which means behind all this news that reveals the true wrongness of our self-righteousness is the good news about God. You see, God is gracious enough to say, look, guys, look at who you are. Look at what you're like. Just just stop and take a real proper reality check for a second because actually, we're all wrong. And, And in showing us that, God is saying, look, Look, I'm not an angry, capricious God. I'm not, I'm not just sitting here throwing thunderbolts at you, saying, find your own way, you silly person. No, I'm telling you lovingly and kindly, look at who I am. Open your eyes. See the person of Jesus because he is so wonderful, so magnificent, so amazing. And, and, and you just need to take a, a rain check and see what you're like and see what Jesus is like and work out how... Can you know him so that what you're like, what we're like, can change? Perhaps the truths of the Bible this morning have shown us the need for what Rose has. The need for something that's been missing for years. The need for a true and humble relationship with God. If that's you this morning, honestly, grab Rose after the service. Sorry, Rose, I'm totally dumping you in it. But, but grab her. Talk to her, ask her, what is it that you have that, that I don't? What is it, Rose, that, that, that makes your heart changed? That doesn't seem to have happened to me. Do you know, the second thing that this passage challenges over us, uh, us over this morning is that each of us takes God's patience for granted. Look with me. First, see yourself as God sees you. We all take his patience for granted. That's the second point this morning. Look with me at verse 4. Um, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead, lead you to repentance? It's quite a difficult verse to understand, but I'm going to make it easier by putting it in, into to my words. So um, simplified, it goes like this. You guys who judge others, it's obvious that you know one day you're going to meet God, but why do you delay in finding out more about him? Is it because you just assume you don't need to do that because you're better than others? Or is it because you think time is on your side because you know that God is kind? But but stop there. Because if you think that, you've got it all wrong. You see, God's kindness in giving us time in this life before Judgment Day is because he he wants to lead us into a relationship with him. So we've got time now. 
use it wisely and get to know God. We've got the wrong end of the stick. We know that we can, we, we think that we can ignore God because we're a pretty nice person and we're doing okay, thanks very much. But the passage says, this verse 4 says that God is showing us kindness and patience. And the purpose of that is to give us time to get to know him. So it's kind of saying, see God as he is. So first see yourself as God sees you. We all, need, we all take his patience for granted. Then see God as he is. He wants us to know him. How do you get to know God? Well, the Bible tells us elsewhere that the biggest revelation of God is Jesus, as, as Rose said. If you want to know what God is like, well, look at Jesus. He came into this world to die, and when he died, he died to take God's judgment for all our self-righteous moments. For all those moments when in our hearts we judge others. And his offer is beautifully simple. If you trust that Jesus has died for us personally, then he will forgive our sin. He will forgive our self-righteousness. And he will make us right with God. It's not difficult to get to know God personally, like Rose has found it's not difficult, but it often takes time, as Rose has said. And that, beca- that, that can be because we've got huge hang-ups about church or about Christians we know. Those hang-ups might need to be unpicked. God will do that if you ask him. Or perhaps we, we've just misunderstood the Bible. But the Bible encourages us, encourages us here not to waste the time that God has given God has graciously given it to us to seek the truth about God. He wants us to find him out so we can fully enjoy a life where he is God and where we are his people. Do you know the last point that this passage makes this morning is this. See yourself as God sees you. We think our goodness, good deeds count. Look at verse 6 to 8 with me. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. The other day I was um, down in the valley walking to a coffee shop with a friend when literally out of nowhere, honestly, boom, A little old lady appeared, and she stopped us, and she said, Gentlemen, could one of you please be be so kind as to help me across the road? Now, initially, I was confused, because although we talk about good deeds, like helping little old ladies across the road, I've never actually done that. This was so out of my, my, my comfort zone and, and my, my personal experience. I actually, just for a millisecond, looked around to see if anyone was pranking me. <laughs> but, but having got over that, I, I, I offered my arm and carefully checked the traffic and I helped her across the road. And when I got back, my friend said to me, tongue in cheek, do you know, that's the kind of thing that gets mega bonus points in heaven, isn't it? And that's how we're programmed to think that our good deeds, little old, helping little old ladies across the road, count 
on God's great big weighing scales. But you know, that is totally the opposite of what this passage is saying. The Bible is not saying heaven will be given to those who do good things in this life in order to get heaven. Let me say it again. That's exactly not how God works. So it's not what we do that gets us a relationship with God. Instead, the relationship with God comes first and it leads to a life shaped by the love of God. So the best way to understand these verses is to ask the question, how do you know the difference between an apple tree and a peach tree? Most of us would say the best way of telling the difference between an apple tree and a peach tree is to look at the fruit that it produces. And in the same way, the Bible here says that just as we can know what kind of a tree we're sitting under by the fruit that's hanging from it, it's also true to say that you can tell whether or not a person has a real vibrant relationship with God by the way that relationship with God impacts their life. So God's judgments is not based on what we do. My little old lady across the road is not going to count towards my celestial brownie points, I promise. No. God's judgment is based on who we know. God's judgment is based on who we know and who we do our good deeds for. The motivation is for him, not for us. So behind this passage, I'm going to say, honestly, it is quite a blunt passage, isn't it? There's an invitation from a loving God, though. Truly. God wants us to see what we're truly like and realize that we need him. We need him exactly because we judge, exactly because we assume we've got time, exactly because we think our good deeds count as something before God. But God says later on in this book that we need a new heart like Rose found, a new life lived knowing Jesus and knowing his forgiveness and love and the freedom that brings to live our lives bringing pleasure to God in love and adoration of him. A relationship with Jesus cannot be earned by accumulating mega bonus points in heaven because a relationship with him is received, not earned. And the invitation throughout this passage is that there is a better way, a way where a relationship with God shapes our hearts and all the things we do. It begins with talking to Jesus, just like Rose did all those years ago. It begins with asking him to see our self-righteousness and forgive us for it. Asking him to show himself to us in the midst of all our confusion about God. Asking him to be our king, the one who we live for. Now perhaps you want to do that this morning. Well, I'm going to pray. And if you want to join me in that prayer just say the prayer quietly in in your mind, echo it in your mind. It's a prayer that asks Jesus to forgive you and then come and speak to myself or Andy or Rose afterwards about it. But let's just pray now together. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so sorry 
that I have tried to live in relationship with you on my terms and not your way. I'm sorry for my self-righteousness. I'm sorry for assuming that I've got time before judgment day and I haven't. I'm sorry for thinking that my good deeds count and will somehow earn a relationship with you. I understand now who Jesus is. I know he died to deal with my self-righteousness, my assumptions, my trying to earn my way to heaven. And I know that I don't deserve his kindness to me. But because Jesus has died on the cross for me, I ask that you would forgive me. From now on, please give me the desire to obey you and help me to follow Jesus, whatever the cost. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'll just say, if you... um, If you want to find out more, I've got a load of these booklets. It's called The Real Jesus. It's got a little picture of a lighthouse on the front. Uh, They're on the welcome desk. If you want to take one and read that for yourself, please do so. Or if you want to read it with me, I'll be on the door as well. Um, Or Andy, um, we'll we'll take you out for a coffee uh, and read this uh, with you. And back over to Andy. Thank you, Phil. Well, we're going to sing one more song before we enjoy time to talk about these big things and to have some refreshments together. This song speaks of the one who has the power to transform lives. It's called Who Breaks the Power of Sin and Darkness. Let's stand as we sing this song about amazing grace, love that comes to us. Let's stand together.
Invite us to receive your love, not to earn it, but to receive it. That your judgment, Heavenly Father, isn't based on what we do, but on who we know. We pray that each of us would come to know Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We worship you this morning. Amen. Let's sit down together. Thank you so much for being a part of our morning. And we've got time to be together to talk. Please come and see Phil or me or others if you want to talk more about those things that Phil has shared or that Rose has shared. Let's enjoy tea and coffee and conversation now.